Hello and welcome to part 2 in a series of videos that I'm putting out this week where I break down all the fights taking place this weekend at UFC on ESPN plus 12 from a betting perspective. Now, I've already covered the main event between Renato Moicano and Korean Zombie in part 1 of this video. I will leave a link to that in the description below. And in today's video I'll be busting through another 3 fights. But this is the longest I've gone since I started my YouTube channel without uploading a video so it is good to see you guys again. Haven't uploaded in almost a week, but trust me, haven't been sat on my ass playing video games and eating pizza. Have been very, very busy working on some stuff behind the scenes. So I want to produce like lots of different kinds of video and bring you different kinds of content on this channel. And a few weeks ago, I shot some videos that will be coming out on the YouTube channel in a few weeks' time. Uh, but I just wasn't happy with the quality. Like the lighting's a bit shit. It, they, I just wasn't happy with them and it was a little bit disappointing because I did use my trusty old Canon 750D digital SLR which has always been pretty good to me. I've enjoyed using this and uh, when I bought it, it was around about I think £600 which is about $750. Bought it about five years ago and the quality's always been pretty good. It shoots in 1080p, 60 frames per second. But when I actually sat down to use it to do one of these videos that I'm going to put on my YouTube channel uh, in the next few weeks, I was quite disappointed with the quality. Lighting was pretty shit. Autofocus wasn't very good. So I went away, done some research, and now I've bought a brand new camera. This bad boy by here, the Lumix GH5. Can't wait to start using it. I've already had a play around. So the videos I'm going to be able to bring to the channel in the near future are going to be top notch. And I don't mean breakdown videos. I mean all different kinds of videos. But this was very, 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 very expensive. I made the huge mistake of thinking that because this was like £600 like five years ago. Obviously technology moves on. And as technology moves on, stuff gets cheaper. So I thought if a 1080p... 60 frames per second camera six years ago or five years ago cost 600 pounds and to get a camera that shot in 4k you know in 2019 would cost roughly the same price very very wrong this turns out digital slrs that shoot in 4k are very 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 expensive but this is just one of the things that i've been working on over the last few weeks so that i'm prepared to bring you different types of content we also have another little toy which i'll be using to create some videos very soon i'm not going to take it out of the bag it's hard to get back in we've also got a very nice mavic 2 pro drone so this is just to show you guys that even though i haven't been uploading much over the last few weeks i've got some big plans for the channel uh, over the next few months over the next few years and lots of different content that i will be bringing you and speaking of different content last week i also did a podcast with one of the members on my website coach ben z and i would really really appreciate it if you went over to coach ben z's channel it's on youtube and check this video out this video i really enjoyed doing it because we got a chance to jump into some really deep topics related to mma betting that i've never really had the chance to discuss on this channel and ben is also very interested in these topics it's not the kind of thing that you would usually find someone wanted to talk about so it's great to talk about ben to ben about these topics we discuss things like usada's impact on the ufc uh, how liquidity has an impact on betting uh, and a bunch of other stuff including even fixed fights and things like that so go over to coach ben Z's channel and check it out it's there now uh, please give it a watch 
leave a comment in that video to let us know what you thought about it and if you'd like us to do uh, any more in the future. So that is that. So what have I covered off? Just wanted to fill you in on a few things that I've been working on. So yes, new equipment for new types of videos coming soon. Did a podcast with Coach Ben Z. Oh, and the one one more thing that I want to show you, this is more of a message to my members, which I know not all of you watching are my members, but a lot of people watching this are my members, and this is a great way to communicate with them. I have basically uh, added a new section to my website. So if you just come to the homepage and click on betting tips, I have added a new section on this page, which I think people are going to like. We now have a section here for prop bets, which is brand new. So if you click to go into prop bets, what you will find is, whereas before, I would only release the prop bets on a live stream, and because the live stream takes place like two or three hours before a UFC event takes place, and sometimes YouTube doesn't process it in time to get it out ahead of the event, a lot of people were asking me, you know, where can I see the props, where can I see the props, where can I see the props? So I thought it would be a good idea to post them on the website because half the time I can't remember what props I give out anyway. So here there's some disclaimers, the type of stuff that I say before every live stream, to be honest, about prop bets being very risky, uh, explaining my rating system, dislike, like, and love, which I've explained on the, the live streams, and also how I personally feel about props. So for all my members, uh, I will probably post props to that page I would say 24 hours before I do a live stream where I talk about them publicly on YouTube, so you can check them out there. Uh, and now nobody should uh, nobody should miss the props. Which brings me on to my next point. I will be doing a live stream for the next event where I work really hard. I dig really deep to try and find you uh, a prop bet for every single one of these fights taking place at UFC on ESPN Plus 12. And if you want to see that that video, that live stream, which I'll do like two, three hours before the event takes place, please hit the like button below and I will do that video. And if you don't know what a prop bet is, prop bet is just basically a highly specific bet. For example, uh, Moicano to win inside the distance would be considered a prop bet, although that isn't a recommendation, but that is a prop bet. So yeah, update, did a podcast, please check it out. Got some new equipment to, to produce uh, different types of YouTube videos. Also got some new YouTube videos coming out very soon. Some different kinds of ones. Prop bets are now on the website for all my members to view. And uh, yeah, if you want to see me put those props out in a live stream, hit the like button below. But now we will get into today's uh, video uh, section of the video that you're all here for, which is the fight breakdowns. So the first fight that I want to talk about in today's video is Jarzinho Rosenstruck against Alan Crowder. Now, this fight is complicated. Oh, I've lost best fight odds. Where's that gone? Let's bring it back up. So this fight is complicated because both guys basically have weaknesses that the others can exploit. Like big, big, big weaknesses that the other can exploit. So... Starting off talking about uh, about Alan Crowder's weaknesses and what I'm actually going to do while we're talking about each fighter's weaknesses, we're going to play some footage of Jaya Rosenstruck in the background. Rosenstruck is this guy here and this fight took place against Andre Kovalev around about this time last year back in 2018. He won a split decision uh, and this fight will show some of Rosenstruck's strengths and his weaknesses. We'll just leave this running in the background while we talk about these guys. So... 
Alan Crowder has some very big weaknesses that Rosenstruck can exploit. He is very easy to hit. He's got very bad striking defense. He's quite slow. Doesn't move his head that much. Very flat-footed. Very rigid. And someone that moves that slow and someone that's that easy to hit is a knockout waiting to happen. The longer this fight stays standing, Crowder really is at constant risk of being knocked out. Which is a big issue against someone like Rosenstruck, who is a very high-level kickboxer. Absolute nuclear missiles in every single one of his punches. And Rosenstruck's a heavyweight, but he actually moves like a middleweight. If you can see him here, very fast hands, very aggressive, very, very technical kickboxer. So in terms of striking, these guys are light years apart. Rosenstruck has an absolutely enormous advantage over Crowder. And the fact that, that Rosenstruck's so technical and so fast and so hit, and hits so hard, and the fact that Crowder's so easy to hit and his striking defense is so bad means that the chances of Rosenstruck winning this fight by KO are quite high. But Rosenstruck has his own weaknesses that Crowder could potentially exploit because Rosenstruck is a very, very low-level grappler. He has basically no takedown defense. If you go and watch his UFC debut against Junior Albini, you will see this. Basically no takedown defense, and when he is on the ground, he's not even white belt level. This guy has absolutely no ground game. He's extremely low level on the ground. As you can see here, very technical striker, very aggressive striker, and very fast for a heavyweight. But if we skip ahead a bit further on into the matchup, into the second round, we can start to see a little bit of his weaknesses when it comes to grappling being tested by his opponent, Andre Kovalev. So we see him coming forward here in any second now. He's going to shoot a nice deep double leg takedown, easily puts Rosenstruck on the ground. Now, don't want to be too harsh on Rosenstruck because the takedown did come against, you know, ropes. And it's much harder to stuff a takedown, especially a deep double leg takedown like that. When your back is being uh, backed up against the ropes than on a cage. But if you go back and watch Rosenstruck's uh, UFC debut against Junior Albini. He also shows super bad takedown defense in that fight. And the most concerning thing about uh, Rosenstruck's overall grappling. Is just how low level he looks on the ground. And we can see here Kovalev's just inside control. Dominating from top position. And in the second round of this fight in Rising. Rosenstruck really shows that he has absolutely nothing off his back, doesn't know how to improve his position, doesn't know how to work his way back to his feet, and any 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 fighter with any level of grappling would just be able to 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 step over into half guard, beat Rosenstruck up from top position, or start working for submission and causing big problems on the ground. So this is one of those fights where both guys have extreme weaknesses. In areas that the other can exploit. Now I guess the difference here is. Crowder has very very bad striking defense. And Rosenstruck is very very dangerous standing. And even though Rosenstruck has bad takedown defense. And a low level ground game. Crowder's offensive wrestling is not great. So I guess what I'm trying to say is. Rosenstruck is better equipped to exploit Crowder's weaknesses. Than Crowder is e equipped to exploit Rosenstruck's weaknesses but we have seen Crowder get of a few of his past opponents down in the past you know in his fight against uh his fight against Don Tale Mayes in Dana White's contender series he actually won by ground and pound so you know he does have some level of ground game not a particularly strong wrestler not a particularly strong grappler but here you can see Rosenstruck is just so weak off his back 
just not not able to explode back to his feet, not able to improve his position, uh, and just kind of hangs on and tries to defend himself in the hope that the referee will stand him up, or in the hope that he can make it to the end of the round. So that is basically what Rosenstruck brings to the table. So from a betting perspective, this fight is a very, very complicated fight for betting, a difficult fight for betting, because if we look at the current odds, we can see that Rosenstruck is currently around about, call it an average of 1.44, which is minus 227, for an implied probability of 69%. So based on what I've just shown you, I don't need to tell you that that's ludicrous. There's no way that Rosenstruck should be capped as a 70% favourite in this fight. There's no way he should be a 70% favourite over anyone in the UFC's heavyweight division because his takedown defence is very poor and his ground game is non-existent. And then if you look at the odds on Crowder, he's currently around about, call it an average of 2.75 for an implied probability of 36%. Now, the way I look at the way I look at fighters like this is I'm not opposed to betting on underdogs with a long shot of winning, but in order to take uh, take a gamble on a fighter with an implied probability of 36%, I've got to give them roughly a 50% chance of winning because I like to get a very very decent margin over the bookies when there's a lot of risk on the table. And with Crowder having such bad striking defense, there's definitely a lot of risk here. And I just can't get to the number of 50%. I think it's fair to cap him at 40%, but I would only give him uh, give us a 4% margin over the bookie. So there's just no value there for me. Uh, odds are 2.75 plus 175, I'd recommend passing. And the reason I lean, you know, 60-40 slightly in favor of Rosenstruck is quite simply because Crowder's striking defense is extremely bad. He's so hittable. Each round and each fight starts standing, and Crowder's not the best offensive wrestler. So, you know, it could be could, could be quite possible that Rosenstruck catches him with something big uh, as, uh, as Crowder is on his way in to try and get a takedown, and then just basically gets turned into a panic wrestler because he doesn't have that high-level wrestling, the change levels, getting deep on Rosenstruck's hips, and take him down. You know, most of Crowder's takedowns tend to come from when he's driven opponents into the clinch, and he started working for a takedown against the clinch, and he might not be able to get close enough to Rosenstruck to do that without getting knocked out because Rosenstruck, like I say, is very fast, hits very hard, and Crowder walks forward in straight lines with his chin up high and exposed, and his striking defense is bad. So I've no interest in betting on either of these guys. They are chaos. They are not trustworthy. They're not the type of fighters I would recommend betting because anything can happen. Both guys have serious weaknesses, serious deficiencies. So, uh, yeah, definitely would pass on that fight, but let me know what you think in the comments below. Now we move on to the next fight between Alessio De Chirico and Kevin Holland. Now, this is one of those fights where De Chirico was one of the first names that jumped out at me when I started researching this fight. I thought he might have been a potentially good bet because of Kevin Holland's tendency to give up weak takedowns and spend a lot of time on his back. But after reaching, uh, researching this fight, I can tell you that the matchup is just absolute chaos. Similar to the last fight that we spoke about between Rosenstruck and Crowder, I mean these are just not 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 fighters that you can trust with your money in in any capacity, because they just they both got huge holes that again their opponent could potentially exploit. Although it's it's different to it's different to how Crowder and Rosenstruck could uh, exploit their opponent's weaknesses because. After researching this fight, there's no doubt in my mind that Kevin Holland is better than Alessio De Chirico in every single aspect of MMA. If the fight stays standing, 
He's significantly better than Chirico. He's more technical, throws a wider range of strikes. Just a, a more experienced striker, a more well-rounded striker. Just a better overall. You know, Alessio de Chirico is one of these guys that's okay at everything, but not great at anything. He's kind of like a wrestle boxer. Doesn't really carry too much power in his hands. He's quite predictable, quite slow. Uh, and quite sloppy, and as the fight progresses, he gets even sloppier. So if Kevin Holland fights smart, keeps the fight standing, should be able to pick the Chirico apart, no problem. The only the, the the issue with Holland though is that, like I said, if it stays standing, if if Holland fights smart and keeps it standing, he should win easily. Problem with Holland is he never fights smart, and for whatever reason, he always makes life difficult for himself, and he always makes fights closer than they need to be. So you'll often see Holland give up weak takedowns. Uh, you'll often see Holland when he's on the ground choose to fight off his back for way too long and give his opponents a lot of top control time while he tries to like catch them in these long shots at missions. And that gives valuable valuable minutes of scoring to his opponent who is often in top position. He also, even when in dominant positions like top position, will quite frequently give up top position, shooting for long shots at missions again, which is a very, very bad idea. So Kevin Holland is just one of these guys that is not trustworthy at all. But he, he does have a decent level ground game, just like he's quite a technical striker when he applies himself and he fights smart. He is quite a technical grappler as well when he fights smart. It's just that he's just total chaos and he never fights smart. You know, in terms of skills, skill for skill, he's significantly better than, than De Chirico everywhere. You know, De Chirico is a very low level on the ground. If Kevin Holland really fought to his full potential, favoured position over submission and fought smart, he could dominate uh, De Chirico on the ground, no doubt about it. But you can never trust him because of how happy he is to fight off his back, how frequently he gives up easy takedowns, and how frequently he gives up position. So, Holland, one of those guys, is better everywhere. That is reflected in the odds. Currently around about a 1.44 favourite, which is a minus 227 favourite for an implied probability of 69%. And just like Rosenstruck, Kevin Holland is not the kind of guy that you can bet as a favourite because he's, he's got bad fight IQ, puts himself in losing positions, and he's just total chaos. Now, I said that Chirico was one of the first names that jumped out at me, and his current odds are an average of around about 2.80, which is plus 180 for an implied probability of 36%. And again, I just feel exactly the same as I do about Chirico as I do about Alan Crowder in the last fight that I spoke about. You know, in order for me to bet on a fighter that... In order for me to bet on a fighter that I don't favour... Uh, in terms of I believe Kevin Holland is more likely to win I'm not opposed to betting on a guy I think is less likely to win if the odds are favorable and if the risk if the if, if the reward is worth the risk but my problem with bets like this is I like to bet on a fighter that I don't think will win if there's a chance they could win based on merit and a chance they could win just by being the better fighter on the night and I think that in order for the Chirico to win, Kevin Holland would have to fight them, make some big mistakes, give up rounds through giving up cheap takedowns and stuff like that, and basically just implode and beat himself. Now, because of the kind of guy Holland is, it's very likely he does implode and beat himself. But if he shows up and performs with his full potential, he wins easily. And for that reason... I have no interest in betting the Chirico. And I hope that makes sense. I like to bet on five, uh, guys that can win based on merit. 
not based on what their opponent may or may not do. So the Chirico is a pass for me and there's no way that I can touch Kevin Holland at those odds. So now we move on to the final fight that I want to talk about in today's video, which is going to be Andrea KGB Lee and Montana De La Rosa. Now the reason why I picked these three fights to include in today's video is because all three fights from a betting perspective are total chaos. So I thought I will group them together, get all the chaos fights out of the way, and then we can maybe move on to the fights where you can get stronger reads on how things might play out in parts three and four. But Andrea Lee and Montana De La Rosa, again, are two fighters with huge weaknesses that their opponent can exploit. Now, this is... This is a little bit different. This is a little bit trickier to cap as a fight because I need to make... Jesus Christ, that girl is orange. She is very, very, very orange. She's been drinking too much Sunny Delight. Just noticed that, but yeah, she's orange, man. Very orange. Yeah, that is a lot of oranges uh, on her skin. But anyway, back on track. The... Uh, the fight between Andrea Lee and Montana De La Rosa is a tough fight to cap. Because both girls are making big improvements from fight to fight. Andrea Lee was one of these girls that was, you know, losing fights that she should have been winning. Even though she's technically very good everywhere. And kind of just chaos with bad fight IQ. You know, one of these women's MMA fighters that gives up position frequently. Gives up easy takedowns and enables her opponents to steal rounds. Just... A fighter who should have been doing better than she was. If we look back at her record, you know she has uh, she's lost lost a couple. She's got involved in a couple split decisions, lost to some girls she shouldn't have lost to. But after some personal issues with her other half, she decided to move camps and train with Crazy Tim Credor. And since then, in her last fight against Ashley Evan Smith, she looked a hell of a lot more, a hell of a lot better. She fought more intelligently, favoured position over submission more, took le less risks, and generally looked like a much more solid fighter. So I am optimistic that Andrea Lee is going to be able to to really do some big things in the UFC's flyweight division. Uh, I'm quite optimistic for her future because Tim Crater, if you don't know, is the guy who basically. Helped Dustin Poirier. He was Dustin Poirier's head coach in in Dustin's early stage of his career before he moved to ATT. And Crader is is an absolutely brilliant coach. So now that Andrea Lee's training under Crader instead of you know the, the these small gyms with low level coaches, I'm optimistic that she'll start to make even bigger improvements from fight to fight. You know when you take a fighter, a really raw fighter like Andrea Lee, who's very skilled in all areas, but just makes critical mistakes at bad times. Like instead of, you know, cruising in top position to to put her stamp on a round, she'll go for a long shot submission and end up on the bottom and then lose a round. When she then would go and work with a, a really intelligent top level coach like Tim Crader, he'll tighten up all these weaknesses and she'll just become a way, way better fighter, way more solid fighter, way more intelligent fighter. But we also can't ignore the fact that Montana De La Rosa's only 24 years old and she is also making massive improvements from fight to fight. So it is important to make it very clear before I go into talking about this fight that everything I say in relation to this matchup should have an asterisk next to it because both these girls are making big improvements from fight to fight 
They're both on a journey of continual self-improvement. And as I keep saying all the time, there is no right or wrong in MMA betting because there are multiple different ways every single fight that we talk about can play out. And there's no way to know what scenario is going to play out on any given night. All we can do is put our money in the strong, strongest position possible with all the information available and hope for the best. And one of the reasons why it's very difficult to... Uh, be right or wrong about a fight is because we can never quantify information that we don't that we're not aware of so we have no idea how much Andrea Lee and Della Rosa have improved going into this matchup it's very difficult to measure therefore it's difficult to talk with absolute certainty how this fight's going to play out and therefore it's hard to put an accurate percentage on capping what chance either girl has of winning but I, want to, I will talk about this fight based on past performances so that you can uh, get a little bit of a read on it. But just beware that this is one of those fights where either of these girls could show up and look massively different from, from what we've seen before. We spoke about this a lot in part one uh, in the series of videos uh, where we were talking about Darren Stewart's improvements and Alexa Grasso's improvements in a short space of time and Aljamain Sterling, how those fighters really, really made massive jumps in what they were capable of. And I think we could see something very similar from Andrea Lee and Montana De La Rosa or either of them, which could completely change how this fight would play out. So based on past performances, Andrea Lee has an absolutely huge advantage when it comes to striking. She's got great Muay Thai, very nice kicks, decent boxing. She's great in the clinch. And that poses a bit of a problem for Montana De La Rosa because just like Alan Crowder, who we spoke about earlier on in the video, Montana De La Rosa has bad striking defense, doesn't move her head that much. You know, she also cuts very easily. If you go back and watch her, her, her matchups on The Ultimate Fighter, you'll see her wearing a lot of damage in her fight against Nico Montano. And one of the reasons is she's just so easy to hit. She takes a lot of damage. She's also quite slow. Whereas Andrea Lee, very technical, stand-up, very good boxing. And she should be able to pick Montana De La Rosa apart. Even though I expect De La Rosa to have made big improvements since her last fight, if this fight stayed standing, I'm quite confident in saying that Lee should absolutely cheer up and dominate. But we were saying just a few moments ago that both these girls have got big weaknesses that the other, the, the other can exploit. And I believe that Andrea Lee's weakness can be exploited by Montana De La Rosa. And Andrea Lee's biggest weakness, well, it's two weaknesses actually. The first is she gives up very, very easy takedowns. You, you, if you go back and watch her, uh, watch her past fights... She's kind of infuriating because she'll be doing really, really, really well. Her takedown defense will look solid. Her striking will look on point. She'll look very strong in the clinch. And then out of nowhere, she'll slip on a banana skin and end up on her back. And this happens in pretty much all of her fights. It happened in her last fight in the second round against Ashley Evans-Smith. It basically happens against everyone. And Montana De La Rosa is a decent grappler. She is, I'm going to use the word decent, I wanted to say excellent, I wanted to say strong, but I need to choose my words very carefully, because Montella De La Rosa does have a weakness in her grappling, and that is her offensive wrestling isn't great, so her single leg and double leg shots aren't great, which is surprising, because she talks a lot about her being a, a high school wrestler that competed against uh, against boys, 
and she she really enjoyed being on the wrestling team. But her traditional single leg and double leg wrestling shots aren't great at all. And Andrea Lee shouldn't have too many problems stuffing them. Montana De La Rosa looks to get fights to the ground through going to uh, trips and throws in the clinch and body lock takedowns. Which, this is where this fight gets quite complex. Because Andrea Lee being primarily a Muay Thai based fighter, she's quite strong in the clinch. So generally speaking... Andrea Lee is quite good at defending takedowns from the clinch position, quite good at breaking her opponent's grip, quite good at keeping her balance when her opponent's going for trips and throws, which would make this tricky for Montana De La Rosa to get the fight to the ground. However, even though her offensive wrestling in a traditional sense through single leg and double leg takedowns isn't great, that is the type of takedown that Andrea Lee's very susceptible to. So you know what I was saying about her giving up easy takedowns? Well, she does pretty good at stuffing takedowns that come from the clinch position, but she gives up super easy takedowns that come from single legs and double legs. So if De La Rosa has been working on her wrestling, and she comes into this fight with some new tricks, some nice single legs and double legs, she could actually take Andrea Lee down at will because Andrea Lee's takedown defense off well-timed single and double legs is so bad. Another potential path to victory for Montana De La Rosa is the fact that even though Andrea Lee is a very, very good kickboxer, for whatever reason, in all her fights, she chooses to initiate grappling exchanges and tries to take her opponents down. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing because she's a very technical grappler. She's not like uh, she is not like a uh, she's not like a, a De Chirico who's low level on the ground. She is uh, very very technical on the ground, but she does get herself in a lot of trouble. So you will frequently see her giving up position, uh, going for long shot submissions, and when she's on the bottom, she doesn't do a very good job of working her way back to her feet doesn't do a very good job of, of, of improving her position. She'll kind of throw up all kinds of crazy submissions off her back, armbar attempts, triangle attempts, uh, but not particularly good at improving her position or working her way back to her feet. And Montana De La Rosa is the opposite. She's a very, very, uh, very solid MMA grappler that understands the importance of putting position over submission. And if De La Rosa does attack with a submission... She does one of three things. She either is pretty damn sure she's going to get the submission. She is either going to go for a submission late in a round when she's already won the round, had a good period of top control, and ending up on the bottom with 20 or 30 seconds left to go isn't going to cost her the round. Or three, she will only, she will only give a position on the ground... If she feels like she'll be able to reverse that submission back into a dominant position. So for example, if she were to go for a guillotine or a, or an armbar, she would make sure that if halfway through she kind of feels like she doesn't have it, she would then be able to use that submission to transition back into a dominant position. And Andrea Lee doesn't have that awareness. Montana De La Rosa understands the importance of dominant positions and winning rounds with Andrea Lee doesn't she just tries to rip people's knees off and arms off and that can quite often result in it ending up on the bottom losing rounds uh, because she is giving up position so that is that fight there's a lot to unpack and it's quite complicated if we look at the odds 
Uh, let's see if there are any betting opportunities. So the current odds on Andrea Lee are around about 1.44, which I was a little bit surprised at, which is minus 227 for an implied probability of 69%. So, you know, I've already said it twice on this video with Rosenstruck and uh, Kevin Holland. Andrea Lee's just not the kind of fighter that you can ever bet on at these odds because of how frequently she gives up position. She can get herself into a lot of trouble on the ground. Montana De La Rosa is a talented MMA grappler with a heavy top game. There's no way that I would touch Andrea Lee at these odds because in order to get any value here, you've got to cap Andrea Lee at around about a 75% chance of winning, which you just can't do because her fight IQ just isn't there. Her MMA grappling IQ just isn't there. She gets herself into too much trouble. So if we have a look at the odds on, uh, let's see, Montana De La Rosa, currently around about an average of, call it 2.90, which is plus 190 for an implied probability of 34%. So Montana De La Rosa was interesting to me, but... It's just not the kind of bet I like because, again, if we unpack and summarize everything that I've just said, she has bad striking defense. If Andrea Lee fights smart and keeps this fight standing, she will dominate. Montana De La Rosa has nothing for her standing, and I don't see her being able to improve enough since her last fight to change that. Number two... Andrea Lee can handle herself on the ground. I'm not saying that if this fight goes to the ground, it's going to be all De La Rosa's way. Andrea Lee can cause her some problems. I just give De La Rosa the edge because she understands the importance of position over submission. But remember, Andrea Lee is now training with crazy Tim Crador, who might be tightening up these weaknesses, might be teaching her to fight a little bit more strategically, a little bit more tactically, and a little bit more intelligently. And also remember what I said a few moments ago where Andrea Lee's very good at stuffing the exact kind of takedown that Montana De La Rosa has in her locker, which is takedowns from the clinch position in the form of body locks, trips and throws. Andrea Lee is susceptible to being caught flat-footed with single leg and double leg takedown attempts, but Montana De La Rosa in her past fights isn't particularly effective with those techniques. So that is why I don't want to bet Montana De La Rosa here. Based on past performances, Andrea Lee should win. If you bet Andrea Lee, she probably will win. But she'll make you sweat for your money. It won't be an easy win. It will be a sweat uh, because she's chaos and she always makes life difficult for herself. Uh, with Montana De La Rosa, again, if both girls show up and perform to their full potential... I really think Andrea Lee wins. She's got the advantage striking. She can hold her own on the ground. And when she really, really concentrates and focuses and fights smart, her takedown defense is pretty good. And Montana De La Rosa's offensive wrestling isn't great. So I can't get to giving Montana De La Rosa a 50% chance of winning this fight. So even though you know I do cap this at 60-40 in favor of Lee, there probably is a little bit of value on De La Rosa at her current odds. It's just not the kind of bet I like. It's too risky. I want a much stronger position than this to put my money so it is a pass from me so i hope you enjoyed today's video guys we'll be back very soon with part three remember if you want the live stream where i hunt for a decent value prop bet for every single one of these fights taking place this weekend please hit the like button below and if every video that i proud gets 300 likes this week i will do the live stream two or three hours before ufc on espn plus 12 takes place but that is it for today's video thanks for watching please subscribe check out my podcast with coach benzie and i will see you very soon Music
Too many thoughts on my mind, I can't sleep at night, so I just keep writing I don't need no help, I don't need opinions, so don't waste my time then I just been living online, my city don't show me no love and that's fine Fuck local radio stations, I got more plays than all of these rappers combined I'm going, I'm going again, I've been going in, I'm fed up with so many things I gotta just let it all out, I'm talking about the shit they've been talking about